Hello, I'm Jackie Dove, Macworld Senior Editor, and Quark has just released Quark Express 10, a brand new version of its professional publishing software. Here to talk about what we can expect to see is Gavin Drake, Vice President of Marketing for Quark. Gavin, thanks for joining the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So let's start with the broad overview of Quark Express 10. Can you lay out the new features for us and explain why this is a significant upgrade? Yeah, sure. I guess there aren't many software applications that have been around for more than 25 years, let alone still in a a leadership position in their markets. And that's got benefits and it's got challenges. um, Even newer competitors that were modern when they were released a decade ago have to work hard to stay modern. So we've been in the process of modernizing Quark Express for a number of years. Technologies that weren't around when Quark Express first came out, like OpenType, obviously are technologies we've then had to retrospectively work into the application. So we started that way back in version 7 with things like support for open type and hanging characters. In version 8, we had a, a number of new design tools that even the competitors uh, then followed on and implemented within their solutions. And then with version 9, we added a lot of support for mobile devices uh, as well as layout automation. So as someone that's been using Quark Express myself since way back in version 3, I have to say I'm pretty excited by version 10, not just because of the features that we are adding into this version, but also because of the foundation that this version is going to put in place for the future. We've been saying that the software is new inside and out, and that's extremely important because um, not just the features that they're getting, but the way that users are going to be able to look forward to the future with this version. So. One of the more exciting new features is the state-of-the-art Xenon graphics engine that we've added in for the first time. We recognized a number of years ago that in terms of the things we wanted to do feature-wise for our users, that our graphics engine we've had in Quark Express for a number of years really wasn't going to be up to what we needed to do. So we set off with a separate development team developing this standalone graphics engine, which we've implemented now for the first time inside of version 10. And that gives us a a really deep and rich understanding of both bitmap and vector graphics. So that would be kind of certainly one of the big headline features in version 10. But there's a number of others. We've got retina display support, um, a lot of user experience enhancements that are going to make the design environment far more productive. I'm not going to go through all of them, but there's more than 50 feature enhancements that we've added into the new version. Okay, can I can I ask you to hold up right there and, and we'll cut this, uh, this, this interlude here. You're popping a bit of your peas, I think. And so okay. I wonder if you could move back slightly from your microphone. Yeah, should we try Peter Piper, Pop to yeah, Piper? It, yeah, it's, it's a little poppy. Yeah, I can. I could also just turn down the um, the gain on the mic as well. Um, and the other thing, I, I, maybe what I should do is just you know give you the list. Um, I do have a separate question on the Xenon graphics engine to get an idea of what it is and how it works. So I think maybe we should hold up some of that explanation of the graphics part, because that seems very important to the new Quark. Basically, the broad overview, and then the significant differences between Quark 9 and 10, um, explaining the new interaction with the Mac OS, 
uh, then the Xenon graphics, the graphics engine, um, some details about the new interface, uh, how Quark has responded to changes in the publishing market. So moving a little bit away from the application and then, you know, going on to a general overview, kind of what I mailed you. In- yeah, no, I've, I've got that. The question really is, is more how much time you want me to spend on each of those questions. So I've, I've certainly got all of those questions broken out here with answers. Um, as, as much time as you feel is necessary. Really, okay. not a problem either way. We don't we don't have a time limit on these podcasts necessarily. Great. Do we want to see if those peas are still popping or not? Um, they are slightly. Um, do the Peter Piper thing again. Let me let me just tweak this a little bit more. Then Peter Piper pop to pepper. That that sounds much better. Okay. Let me. It didn't seem to have saved that preference. Let me just go back in and look. Hmm seems to be resetting my input volume for me, which is not hugely helpful. <laughs> We're all having technical issues today. I don't understand yeah, it. I'm, I'm changing it. It's putting back up again. So the that's technical, not... Yeah. The gods are not with us. Okay. Well, I'll just try and, I'll try and be aware of that and sit back a little bit. Okay. And, and that's exactly what I'm doing here too. Okay. Good. So um, I, I think you went over the first question really well. And so I think maybe we should just go on to the next question. What are the most significant differences between Quark 9 and Quark 10? Meaning, what are the most compelling reasons that people would have to upgrade to this new version? Yeah, Jackie, do you want to do you want to ask do you want to ask that I yeah. guess clean again without your intro bit? Okay. So that All right. Cut. What are the most significant differences between Quark 9 and Quark 10? Meaning, what are the most compelling reasons and benefits to upgrade? Well, I think obviously that's going to vary a little bit depending on which version of Quark Express you're coming from. And, you know, features are are always uh, subjective. So if I asked 100 Quark Express users their, their favorite feature or the feature they would like to see the most, I could guarantee I'd probably get 80 to 90, maybe 100 different answers. But I'll give you a rundown of certainly some of my favorite new features that if I was a, a regular design user of Quark Express, I'd care about. So firstly, the, the, the graphics engine, because everything on screen is going to look substantially better in, in version 10 compared to any previous version of Quark Express. And I think when you're trying to lay pages out, trying to have that that detail look, that high quality look without having to sacrifice performance. Um, that graphics engine and the features that's going to bring like adaptive resolutions, for example, are going to be big ones. The general user experience we've upgraded substantially. We made some big changes in version eight and we've really built on those in version 10 now in terms of the, the palette set, palette docking, showing hiding palettes, um, snapping palettes to edges of screens, um, the windows and how they interact now with the palettes going to full screen mode. All of those things, I think, will substantially enhance the design environment to make users more productive. And then outside of that, we probably get into a lot of user requested features. For example, we've enhanced our support in Microsoft Word. So you can now uh, import pictures and hyperlinks directly from Word documents. Previously, you used to be able to bring in text and style sheets, but now you can bring in those additional assets. Um, the new measurements palette has been substantially upgraded. In fact, we've retired the old modified dialogue that we've had really for um, 
probably since nearly the beginning of Quark Express, to replace that with the measurements palette so that people can work directly on the page and interact with objects on the page without having this modal dialogue that stops them uh, interacting in that way. So there, there's some of the features. Say there's, there's more than 50, so rather than going through all of them, um, the best thing will be probably for users to check out the website and they can have a look and do a version comparison compared to the version they're using. So uh, I understand that there is a brand new interaction with the Mac OS now, now and for the future. Can you explain the whole Cocoa to Carbon conversion? Yeah, absolutely. I assume you've got a, you've certainly got a, a well-educated um, well, following actually, with Macworld. So. Well, it's actually uh, Carbon to Cocoa, and <laughs> that was my mistake. So maybe I should ask that question again. Go for it. Um, can you explain uh, Quark's new interaction with the Mac OS now that you've converted entirely to the Cocoa API? Yeah, we've moved the Mac version of Quark Express completely to the Cocoa API. While the, the older Carbon API is still available and it's supported in Mac OS X, all of the new features that Apple tend to add into the OS don't get added into that Carbon API. So you might think it would be a no-brainer for companies like Quark to switch across to Cocoa, but of course, it's not without a cost to make that move, particularly with a large application like Quark Express. It actually took a monumental amount of heavy lifting from our R&D team. They updated, they tell me, more than half a million lines of code and added 350,000 new lines of code, as well as having to recreate every single dialogue and palette, which was more than 500, in fact, within the application. So. That's been a huge investment for us, but it moves us to a far more modern architecture that, that sets us in a really good position for the future. Where that benefits users is they will get, they'll certainly see improved integration with the OS. They'll see um, more native looking dialogues and palettes. They will get access to new OS 10 features directly in Quark Express that they may not have had access to before, like the dictation features, for example, that, that Apple added recently. And we would expect it to be a far more stable and reliable platform on OS X moving forward, given that it's now working to the Cocoa API. So I'd like to get some more details on the Xenon graphics engine. Can you give us a picture of what it is and how it works? Yeah, certainly. So all of the on-screen images you see in earlier versions of Quark Express are rasterized image previews. So even if it was a vector image that you were putting on the page, we would present a rasterized bitmap version of that vector image. Now, obviously there was no issue in terms of output. Quark Express is known for its professional output. And there's, as you probably know, there's really only two professional grade output engines that can cope with um, spot colors, four color separations, and all the other things that we need to handle in terms of professional print outputs. But it did have an impact, obviously, in terms of how things looked on screen, and it had an impact on performance. So, for example, if you change the color management settings, or if you decided you wanted to use a different clipping path in a Photoshop file, Quark Express would always need to go back to the source image and create a new on-screen preview. So the quality of the graphics uh, was poor um, in a lot of cases, and so was the performance. If you think of it really as the difference between having an original piece of artwork and a photocopy of it, it doesn't matter how good the photocopy is, it's still a copy. 
So if we were to contrast that now with PDF as an example, in Quark Express 9 and earlier, when a designer placed a PDF on the page, maybe they, they put a, an ad in the Macworld magazine, and we would run that PDF through the JAWS graphics engine by Global Graphics, and the JAWS engine would then provide us back with a low-res preview, which is what you see on screen. You did have the option to select a high-res preview, but that wasn't always possible because of the memory requirements to do that. Now, in Quark Express 10, that works entirely differently because the graphics engine itself reads the PDF directly, and it maps all of the content of that PDF, the fonts, the vectors, the color model, the blends, the transparency, directly to the graphics objects inside the Xenon graphics engine. So Quark Express 10 then actually draws the components of that PDF directly on the screen. So the text stays as text, the vectors are real vectors, the gradients, the transparency are live, and it does all of that in a fraction of a second. So the designer, uh, as far as the design is concerned, that just appears. But the reality is we've gone and done very complex calculations utilizing the latest in graphics technology and processing power to draw that PDF real time on the screen. And so now it doesn't matter what your view is of that PDF, how much you zoom in or zoom out, it still looks in the absolute best quality that you'd expect it to. And that's a new development that was from Quark's engineers originally, is that correct? That's correct. It's a project we've had underway for a number of years now, because as you can imagine, it's one thing developing a graphics engine that's used just for on-screen drawing and is doing RGB, but when you need to develop a graphics engine that can cope with complex graphics, with spot colors, with separations, and the kind of print workflows that we have to do as well as the on-screen rendering, that becomes a very complex development. And that's why our engineers are pretty confident that this is one of the most modern graphics engines currently on the planet, if not the most advanced in terms of the fact that it has just been released, that it's brand new, and it really is leveraging all the latest technology like um, SSE3, for example, in the Intel processors. So I understand we, we went over some of the items of the new interface. Is, is there anything else that stands out to you with the, the great overhaul of Quark Express 10 that you wanted to cover in terms of the new interface experience? Yeah, so the certainly in terms of vi visually looking at the interface, it's a slightly darker palette that we've gone for intentionally in version 10. So you'll see the icons contrast a lot more with that. And the idea being that that will, will contrast more with the design work on the page. So the idea really with the work we've done is to try and have the interface get out of the way of the design so that the designer can focus on maximizing the space on their screen for the design work and not have our interface elements get in the way of that. So that's why you can dock your palettes onto any, onto any side of the screen. We've got shortcut keys now where you can auto show and hide those palettes on the different sides of the screen as well. You can switch into a full screen mode. You can have all your palettes on one screen and your design on the other. You can set palettes to auto hide. All of those things mean that I can use every inch of real estate on the screen to maximize my design work. Um, there are also enhancements to things like our palette sets, um, which are much easier to set up, to add shortcut keys, to edit. So switching gears now to App Studio, which is somewhat newer than Quark Express itself, can you talk about the improvements that you're, you have made to App Studio as part of Quark 10? 
Yeah, so I guess it's firstly, it's no secret that the market's fragmented substantially in terms of how we communicate with each other and where once we had print, we do now have all of these other mediums of communication, whether that be web, mobile, e-readers, tablets, smartphones. And I think tablets and smartphones in particular have really driven a, a huge amount of market fragmentation that it makes it difficult for designers, for publishers, for corporates to try and efficiently communicate across all of those channels. So App Studio um, has been extremely successful for us in enabling designers to go beyond print, use the same skills and tools that they have, but be able to deliver really compelling interactive experiences uh, across a range of devices. So iPads, iPhones, Kindle Fire, Android tablets, Android smartphones. And we have something new on the way, which is the ability to create web apps as well, whereby I can get that same native app feeling, but I can deliver that inside of any web browser without having to go to an app store. So we're, we're adding in certainly new interactive features into version 10 that support App Studio. The first one of those that customers will see is the new flip effect where you can click a button and have the page flip. And that has lots of different applications. And what we always love is seeing how designers take the features we put forward in front of them and, and see how they apply them. So for example, we know that the, uh, the BBC Good Food magazine used that feature in order to expose a, a recipe version of the image that they're showing in their cookbook on screen. But there are clearly lots of applications for that ability to do that nice 3D flipping of the page. Anything else you could describe to us now? Yeah, there, there are enhancements in terms of the actual App Studio portal and the flat planning view. Um, we're clearly working on support for iOS 7 to time that as close to the release of iOS 7 as we can. So there's there's a lot of development work involved there, but that really is the reason that customers use a solution like App Studio because they know that it's our job to take on all the development work to make sure that everything they've invested in their app and their app content gets to be reusable without them having to make a big additional investment in, in development themselves. So working to make sure we've got iOS 7 support as soon as that's available is very important to us. There is also a new emphasis by Quark on HTML5. And, you know, has Quark observed and learned perhaps from Adobe's interaction with Flash on how to approach uh, web-based content and app content? Yeah, I mean, real industry standards are generally a good thing. And the move from proprietary Flash format to an open industry HTML5 format is certainly a good trend for us. And it's a good trend for our customers. We've supported Flash in the past because that's what our customers were using. Uh, but we've always been in favor of open industry standards where no one company is able to monopolize a file format. So we identified HTML5 as the best format for us to deliver content across devices and channels several years ago. That turned out to be a pretty inspired move. And our customers now love the fact that their content doesn't get locked into a proprietary format. They don't have to have these custom plugins to their browsers. And I'm sure we all get very annoyed with that pop-up that keeps telling us that our version of Flash is out of date every other day. So um, that that's advantageous, not just for how we're delivering content into native apps, uh, it's also the thing that's enabling us to take that same interactive content now and deliver that into a new breed of web apps. I'd like to talk about Quark generally as a company that has undergone profound changes over the last couple of years. 
And can you lay out the practical changes for Quark since it was acquired by Platinum Equity in 2011 and how that acquisition has now affected the new product that you're putting on the market, Quark 10? Well, the changes at Quark started a number of years ago, and I've been with Quark since 2004, so I can kind of attest to how the company has changed in terms of personnel, in terms of our practices, our customer policies. Um, really, it's a, a completely different company from the one of a number of years ago. So the, the acquisition by Platinum was really just the next step on that journey as the company changed its direction. Um, it's enabled us to do some things that we set out to do. So. I know when we were acquired by Platinum Equity, one of the, the main things we said we wanted to do was to be able to invest in some of the growth areas in our business that we saw opportunity in. So we acquired, obviously, the, the App Studio technology. That's proved extremely important to us because it means that we now have an end-to-end -end solution right from structured content authoring through to digital delivery. It's also enabled us to grow substantially our enterprise in the enterprise dynamic publishing space. So... All of those things have an impact, but, but our, our acquisition a couple of years ago hasn't really changed the, the fundamental direction for the company. That was already set. The, the acquirer had bought into that strategy. It's just enabled us to continue to execute on that. So it, it hasn't had any particular effect on the new product other than what you had already intended to begin with? Indeed, to enable us to continue on that path that we'd set out on a, a number of years ago. And that for us was the was the natural next step as a company as we grow was to move from um, you know family ownership into professional private ownership. And I wonder how that addresses the legacy of Quark's reputation in the community. I know if you look on our website and we have stories on Quark every so often, you get a lot of residual, I guess you would call it angst, about how Quark had historically dealt with their customers in the past. And I wonder, how is Quark now turning that around? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think there's no there's no market quite like the design market in terms of the passion that customers have, and also how long they hold on to some of those things. So uh, it's it's interesting that quite often when you ask people that that have some of those comments and thoughts that their interaction with Quark was a long, long time ago. And I see, obviously, like any company, I see good and and bad feedback on the company. But as you're trying to to move our move the company forward. Um, generally, customers that are working with us and are on the latest versions and have been um, had close interaction with the company over the past number of years have seen the difference. Um, there's probably very few employees that are in the company that were in the company way back when a decade ago. Um, certainly, the entire management team in the company has changed. So, I know from from all of the employees that I know within Quark, our aim is always to put customers first and. That doesn't necessarily mean that everyone is happy all of the time, but certainly that's always our aim is to make sure that we're, we're serving our customers as effectively as we can. Would you say that there's been a substantial change in your customer base over time, however? Uh, how would you describe customer base? You mean the types of users that we have? Yes. For instance, individual designers, for instance, small shops, small design shops versus maybe more corporate entities, larger entities. You know, have you seen a shift in the kinds of customers that you have? 
I think we still have the same kind of mix that we had a number of years ago. Certainly, I think it, it's no secret that Adobe heavily targeted uh, magazine publishers, particularly consumer magazine publishers and agencies originally when they were, they were trying to drive adoption with InDesign. So I think it's not surprising that that, that particular area, particularly some of the larger agencies and larger publishers, went down that that Adobe InDesign route, but but in broad terms, no, we have a, a big mix of customers from individual designers, students, nonprofits, um, publishers like the Purse Group in the Benelux, who have thousands of seats of Quark Express, through to large sort of global two thousand Fortune five hundred companies that that use Quark Express. So it's a it's a pretty wide range of users. And speaking of Adobe, do you see? an advantage now in the industry with Adobe's issues concerning subscriptions? I think well, I, I was around certainly when InDesign first entered the market and I can remember back then that Quark was very quick to welcome the competition because we knew that competition drives innovation and ultimately it's good for consumers. So while a lot has changed in the past number of years, and we've talked about the fact that we've had changes at Quark in leadership, employees, services, policies, products, our opinion on competition hasn't. A lack of competition uh, limits consumer choice, it stifles innovation, and if you've got a single company that's the sole judge of price, of quality, of software distribution, it sets a dangerous precedent. And you know we should know um, because we've we've been in that position in the past. So. We're pleased that we still have an alternative for page layout, for digital publishing. Um, there are many competing views, I think, on the future of software licensing. And there's the low-cost app store approach. And I think I read this week they were talking about the average revenue per app in the Android store and in the Apple App Store. And I think uh, I was seeing a number, it was less than $0.10 cents average revenue per app. So that's clearly a very different licensing approach. There's perpetual licensing, there's true cloud services, subscription pricing, there's rental software. And I think you know there's a lot of vendors that are combining those models, which is kind of what you see in Creative Cloud. So for us, we offer all of those different models across different products. And we try to make sure we pick the most appropriate pricing model depending on the solution. So for something like App Studio, which is a cloud service, not a software product, then we have subscriptions for App Studio. And so for us, it's a case of understanding what you're selling, who you're selling it to, and then deciding on the right licensing model. So I wouldn't want to argue the merits of each approach for licensing because I think they've all got their place. But we have said quite conclusively to our customers that we have no plans to push Quark Express customers down a software rental path. We're going to continue to offer perpetual licenses. Customers can decide if an upgrade is has value if they want to invest in that upgrade. And they know that once they've invested in that upgrade, we're not going to cut that off. They can continue to use the software. I just want to clarify one thing, though. I thought that App Studio was, in fact, a part of Quark Express, meaning that if you buy Quark 9 or you buy Quark 10, it, you get App Studio alongside it. So App Studio is pretty much content agnostic. In fact, App Studio works with InDesign. It works with Quark Express. It works with HTML5 content directly. And we even have some customers like the New England Journal of Medicine that will automate their, their app production from XML. So from our perspective, we don't have a strong bias as to how people create their content for App Studio. So 
in App Studio, in Quark Express 10, I would say there's a more integrated environment just because we obviously own the end-to-end solution. So the HTML5 palette is very closely integrated with App Studio. Um, but, but customers get to decide whether or not they want to opt into App Studio and at what level they'd like to opt into App Studio. So, Gavin, do you have any final thoughts on the release of Quark Express 10, this landmark um, version of the venerable Quark Express? Obviously, go and upgrade if you're a, an existing Quark Express user, although you'll need to, you'll need to wait um, just a little bit longer. We are, however, going to be launching a special pre-order promotion where existing Quark Express 9 users are going to be able to pre-order Quark Express 10 for a discount. So, you know, we wanted to try and have some, some kind of a reward for those customers that do stay with the current version, and so they're going to have a special offer. And, of course, if anyone is not on version 9, we have our buy 9, get 10 free promotion, which is a, a fantastic way to get to 10. But from my perspective, if you use Quark Express regularly, you're going to want to be on version 10. Yeah, it's a far better design environment. It's going to be a far more efficient tool to use. And with the new graphics engine, everything on screen is going to look much better. But I would add one final thought, which is that we really believe when you buy a copy of Quark Express, it's not just a one-off transaction. So that's why we continue to provide new features and enhancements throughout the life cycle of each version completely free. So I think users should be excited about what they're going to see in Quark Express 10.0, but they should also know that there will be 10.x releases that will continue to add value that they're not going to have to pay additionally for. They're going to get those included free with their purchase. And when can we expect to see Quark 10 in our hands? You can expect to see that in late August. We're currently in pre-release testing and quality is extremely important to us. So we'll want to make sure that the quality is absolutely there before we, before we release it. So uh, that's going extremely well. Uh, we have very good feedback so far and, and right now we're on track for that release. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Gavin Drake, Vice President of Marketing for Quark Express. Thanks so much for being on the Macworld podcast. Thanks very much, Jackie.